All right, so let's crack into it. It is, of course, the Japanese Grand Prix preview podcast, which is a mouthful, and episode three of the new quote-unquote uh, Wheel Sports podcast, which you can find everywhere on Spotify and so on. Quick, <coughs> quick cough before we start, and then a quick plug. Um, if you are interested in checking out our merch store, you can find it at shop.wheelsports.co, or the link is in the description below. And with that being said, thanks to everyone who joins along for these podcasts. I will be checking the chat and answering questions as they come in. But we've also just got a nice list of topics to go through and exciting things to talk about for the Japanese Grand Prix weekend. Some of them not even around the race itself. So what is our first topic? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, the fact that Max can secure the championship this weekend and while it will be a little bit difficult for him it's definitely a lot easier than it was in singapore where he essentially needed the other guys not to score so what are the permutations for anyone wondering what they should be looking out for on race day if they are indeed a max verstappen fan well the permutations are as follows if max is to win the race with a fastest lap point then it doesn't actually really matter where the rest of them end up. He will be crowned victor because even if Leclerc finishes second, he'll still end up with eight points gained on Leclerc. And this is enough to seal the championship. However, if he wins the championship and, sorry, if he wins the race and Leclerc finishes anywhere outside of second, uh, then he wins the championship because Perez will need to will need to get more than um sorry will not will need to lose less than a 6 point gain so if max wins the championship or wins the race even the likelihood is is that he's won the championship so let's look out for that over the weekend however after what happened at singapore it's definitely not guaranteed but it would be a nice thing for red bull given that honda is back on the engine cover and given all of the stuff that's going on in the press which we'll get into in a little bit It'll be a nice feel-good story for someone to be crowned a second-time world champion at Japan, a track that has crowned so many world champions over its de over its time. Um, and I believe Suzuka started in 1987. Before that, it was Fuji, if I'm correct. Um, but it's definitely one that's just been spectacular over the years. You know, Michael Schumacher's won here six times. Um, so it should be a good one. And realistically, there is, I, I think, a you know, a 60-40 chance that this is the one where Max takes the championship. I'd be very, very surprised if the Red Bull isn't the fastest around here. But then again, given there are some similarities between this track in terms of its flow and Silverstone, you know, Silverstone didn't go spectacular for Red Bull, well, specifically for Verstappen there. So anything could happen. Um, there is obviously that leading me on to Honda coming back into F1, um, which means they never really left in a way. It's it's a very strange one. So obviously Honda decided, given that Honda itself is going fully electric in the coming years, um, that F1 didn't really suit them. And it was very short-sighted, especially given the fact that they did this really strange deal where Red Bull seemed to gain everything and not lose anything. And Honda seemed to lose everything and not gain anything. So essentially, Honda is still building the engines, even though they're kind of badged as Red Bull powertrains, even though there's that small HRC logo on the side. But they're built in um, in Japan. 
They're then sent to the UK and used by Red Bull. But Honda don't get any sort of recognition for it other than it's a HRC logo on the side. So very strange decision for them. And it seems like now with the new regulations being put into effect and the likes of Porsche and Audi and so on wanting to get in to the sport, it seems like they're kind of starting to make a double take on this. And a lot of this is around the fact that Honda has a new president as of July last year who came in after the decision was made. But also around the fact that 50% of the power output from F1 will be by the hybrid system for 2026 onwards and only 50% by the V6. So it looks like they want to go down the route of Honda will build the electrical side of the engine and Red Bull powertrains will build the V6, which would make sense for both parties. And especially given the fact of you know, um, Red Bull, sorry, let me just adjust this camera slightly, uh, especially just the fact that, you know, Red Bull is dominating now, at least until Monday, which I don't think will change anything, but, you know, just for Twitter bait, um, I think it would be a good decision for Honda to come back in. So we saw that they had a meeting this week and they made kind of, let's say, first steps in that direction. And the reason they've, or the change that they've made now is the full Honda logo is on both cars with the HRC logo on the nose of the Red Bull and on the side, the normal Honda logo and same switched out for the Alpha Tauri. And this is a good step, especially as Red Bull is going to need some sort of partnership. Obviously at the moment, they're very sustainable with, uh, you know, in terms of uh, liquidity because of that Oracle deal. But given all the news around Dietrich Mazeshitz and, and his health, you know, when the team isn't doing so well, he's been the one that's floated the bill. And I don't think it'll be a huge issue in this new cost cap environment. But, you know, we're we're hearing lots of rumors about Alpha Tauri being sold off soon. So I think it would be a good idea for them to have a solid partner in Honda. And now that F1 is going to fully sustainable fuels by 2026, then... You know, it doesn't really make any sense for Honda to do all of this work and not gain any of the marketing value. So I kind of hope to see them back in and it'll be interesting if Max is crown champion at the uh, Suzuka circuit, which Honda is a title sponsor of. And now the Honda badges are there and so on. You know, it should convince them, guys, we may have made a mistake here. So that's the Honda news. Should be interesting to watch over the weekend. Unfortunately, they're not bringing that white livery back with the Arigato on the back, um, which would have been really, really cool. Uh, I love that livery, to be honest. I actually prefer it over the normal Red Bull livery. But, uh, yeah. Um, I guess we need to talk about the track itself, and uh, then we'll get on to, um, you know, what, where I think the teams will end up and so on. So... The track itself, uh, like I said, has a lot of similarities with Silverstone in the flying S's and kind of the way it flows and the high speed, high corner, high speed corner nature of it. Um, so I think this should be a track where even Ferrari did well at Silverstone, other than strategically. Um, Mercedes, you know, this is the strange one. This will be a track where I would have, I would have suspected. That Mercedes wouldn't go very well. But if we look at how they did at the British Grand Prix, and given there are some very similar characteristics on this track, now they're not one for one, but there are some big similarities here. You know, it it you would expect that Mercedes would do quite well here. And given the fact that Mercedes are also thinking that they're going to do quite well at Austin, which again isn't 
that similar but has a lot of similarities in the fast flowing corners and that long back straight like we have here at suzuka so actually they are quite similar you know i'd expect mercedes to go well here but equally i think red bull if it wasn't for the debris getting stuck in uh verstappen's car this year he probably would have ran away with that grand prix um so i think you know i think it's going to be one that Red Bull will do well at. But I'm jumping ahead of my predictions here. But basically what I'm saying is it's an epic track. I'm glad we have it back um, for the first time since 2019 because of the pandemic and so on. And you can see even in the press conferences that Japan has been a little bit stricter on COVID regulations than a lot of the world, um, especially here in Mexico where, you know, it was kind of, look, we need to get back to work. Um, yeah, it it just uh, an amazing track. It, to be honest, the problem with this track, for anyone who's new and maybe only started watching since Drive to Survive and hasn't had a chance to really catch, uh, you know, this track in action, just be fair warned that the Sunday races with these newer, heavier cars, I mean, we they were heavy enough back in 2019. They're going to be heavier again this year. I don't think the race will be spectacular, although it does look likely we're going to get a wet race but wet races are kind of boring anyway nowadays. They're not, you know, I guess the wet tires can be used and then, yeah. Wet races, unless we get a wet to dry race and not a full wet race, it could be quite dull. But I will say, if you're new to watching this, definitely make sure you stick around for qualifying because qualifying at Suzuka is amazing to watch. Again, similar to qualifying at the British Grand Prix. Very fast flowing. The car is on edge the whole time. And drivers like Leclerc, I would have said Verstappen before, but he's a much more, I want to say he's a much more polished control driver this year. I don't know what's happened there, but it seems that way. Whereas Leclerc always drives his car on literally a knife edge. So watching him go around this track, you know, in full low fuel qualifying pelt should be really, really interesting. But yeah, it's a, it's a great to be back at, uh, uh, you know, have F1 back at Singapore, at Singapore, at Japan. Um, what a track! And uh, if if the, if you've never watched one of these before, then definitely I would say, look, don't get your hopes up for an incredible race, just because these cars are so big and heavy, and the track is quite narrow at most points. Um, but qualifying will be epic. So just before I jump to the next things on the list, let's look at a couple of questions from people in the chat. So. Thanks for joining us, Swirling Soul. Um, is Suzuka bumpy? I don't remember. Uh, I'm trying to visualize it in my head as well. I don't think it is on the back straight, as far as I know, it's not that bad. And on the main straight as well, the pitch straight, as far as I'm aware, as far as I remember, it isn't. But I have a feeling down, before you get to the back straight that leads to 130R, I think the... Is it the second chicane? Uh, no, the hairpin. Sorry, the second hairpin. Kind of that run up there, as far as I know, it's a little bit bumpy, as far as I remember. Honestly, I need to That's I need to go back and look at onboards. It's something I can't really remember. Through the S's, I don't remember cars bottoming out much. But then these cars need to run a lot lower. So that's a good question. I, I need to look at some old onboards. But I guess we'll see um, tonight slash tomorrow for um, FP1. But as I remember, I don't remember cars bumping much through the Senna S's. Like, I don't remember huge amounts of sparks through the Senna S's. The back straight may be actually coming up to 130R. 
Actually, now that I think about it, yeah, it's coming around one of the, I think it's one of the high speed, oh, I, I know there is part of it where they bottom out quite heavily, because I remember seeing absolutely epic uh, shots of Leclerc's car literally like, you know, on the ground, so there is parts of it, bumpiness, I'm not sure, but definitely where the track is in terms of elevation. I think you've got me interested now. I'll have to go watch some onboards from back in 2019 and see. Sorry, this weird setup here because the uh, where I see the chat is over here. I need to get a new setup where I can see it in front of me here. But anyway, but yeah, so if it is bumpy, uh, like the, the problem I have is right. If it is bumpy, it will make it more interesting because it's harsher on the cars and obviously they have to be more careful with setups and so on. The problem is the bumpier the track is, it's going to kind of help out Red Bull and to some extent Ferrari who tend to be okay in the bumps and it's going to have a knock-on effect, I believe, for Mercedes. Like the bumpiness of um, Singapore, I don't think we got the full, you know, I don't think we got the full effect of that on Mercedes. One, because it's a lot lower speed throughout your ch changing gear. Was it 91 times, I think, per lap? So I don't think it affects them that much there and also with conditions. So I, I wouldn't like to see Mercedes knocked back. I want to see them in the fight with the, the top, uh, top two teams as it is at the moment. And they're very, very closely, you know, getting on to them at every race now. So I don't really want to see bumps, if I'm honest, because I believe it will knock uh, Mercedes kind of out of play somewhat. So let, let's see. Let's see. But yeah, I definitely am going back to watch. I might actually just watch the 2019 Grand Prix later on uh, to get myself pumped for this weekend. And uh, then I'll come back to you in the comments or the chat replay and let you know. Um, okay, what else is there to chat about for this weekend? So... Yeah, I, I put down should be a fun battle between Ferrari and Red Bull. And I genuinely believe this, and I don't want to discount Mercedes because I think they should do quite well here, like I said, given how well they did in the British Grand Prix, uh, bar obviously, you know, Russell being knocked out. Hamilton, though, was on a flyer there. So I think the car should do reasonably well. But let's just say that I won't know that until I see free practice later. Uh, or we get to qualifying. We won't really see where it is, and we know it's slower in qualifying anyway, and given can be quite hard to overtake here. Let's just be mean and discount them for the moment until we get there, um, because we know that in the race, Ferrari will make some mistakes and they'll end up winning somehow anyway. Uh, but let's just say it should be a fun battle this weekend between Ferrari and Red Bull. Again, if we look at the type of track we're going to, these fast-flowing corners, kind of more old-school tracks, Ferrari has been clearly there when it comes to qualifying pace. So what I'm hoping for, if I'm honest, is an interesting race where we get Ferrari ahead of at least one of the Red Bulls. For example, Leclerc out qualifying um, uh, Verstappen. So we at least get a bit of a fight for the lead because I do believe that if, you know, if Verstappen qualifies on pole, he's probably going to do a Sebastian Vettel circa 2013, 2012, those, you know, that time where he just qualifies a second ahead of everyone, and then within 10 laps, he's 20 seconds down the road. Um, and that, I think, is very much what Verstappen will do this weekend. If we get to that, it'll be a very controlled and measured drive, because that's just what he's been like when he's once he gets into the lead this year. So 
I'm hoping we get a bit of a mix-up between at least the Ferraris and the Red Bulls. The good news is we have a, a rainy track, which we know drivers like Lando Norris and so on tend to massively take advantage of. So I think we should get a good race for the lead, but if we get qualifying in its traditional sense without any rain, which is what it looks like for Saturday, we may have a dull race. But I still think the Ferraris should be close enough, hopefully, to give us a little bit of a good fight. Um, Mercedes could struggle is next on my list, but I think we've already kind of covered that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of move on from there. Okay, so there's a good one. I'm going to jump away from my list because I've kind of already covered McLaren or Mercedes. Um, before I go on, though, the prime goose thinks that Haas will beat Mercedes in Suzuka. If that happens, I will... Hmm, I can't do a shoey because I'm doing Sober October, which is stressful enough for an Irish person as it is. But uh, I don't know. I'll come up with something, um, some sort of bet. But if Haas beat Mercedes this weekend, are we conditioning that on two Mercedes you know, versus two Haas or just one Haas ahead? And are we saying qualifying race? Let me know. Let's work out a bet here. Come back to chat. But let's jump back to uh, Swirling Soul has mentioned uh, McLaren. And that's one thing I do want to talk about because there now is, thankfully, another battle going on, given that the, the battle for the championship is kind of dreaded off. And that is uh, McLaren and Alpine are incredibly close now with only four points between them. You know, thanks to Lando Norris, let's be honest, but also thanks to both of the drivers doing a really, really good job in Singapore and both being very, very measured. The team taking its time, not making any risky moves and just waiting it out. Um, so they're four points ahead now in the championship. And at this weekend's Grand Prix, uh, Daniel Ricciardo will get the upgrade. Uh, only Lando got it uh, last weekend. It will be interesting to see how good that upgrade is, given that we don't actually really know because it wasn't a great place to test it. Like, obviously, they have a lot more data, but from an outside perspective, it's hard for us to know how well that did. And the fact that Lando is ahead of Daniel Ricciardo by a decent margin doesn't really give us any inclination because, one, that's unfortunately for Danny Rick, that's how it's been all season. And secondly, uh, you know, Danny Rick started in 16th. So for him to get up to fifth, I know it was a crazy race. There's a lot of luck and so on there. But for him to keep it up there, get into fifth was quite a good one. But let's not forget that Alpine also brought a significant floor upgrade last week. It wasn't as visually striking as the McLaren, but that's more because they brought side pods than anything else. So those two teams bring big upgrades should be interesting. If I had to gamble a bet on which one would be ahead, well, first of all, I'd say Ocon and Danny Rick will be at the back because I like to bash on Ocon because it winds people up. And also because, let's be honest, Danny Rick hasn't been doing well. I would love, though, if he smashes it. And I, I, there's hope for Danny Rick fans, actually, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But if I had to make a bet, I would say that Alpine should realistically do better on this track, in my opinion, as of what I've seen this year. But it's actually getting quite close to call. And if if we can, we should give a lot of credit to McLaren here. I know, you know, they they get a lot of stick because they used to be such a championship force. And it seems like, you know, they, they made a big drop off. But if we look at where they were in Bahrain compared to where they are now, where they're, you know, on and off the fourth quickest car, you know, I think they've done... A really good job so i think it's it's very close between the two of them but i would say 
Alpine probably given on the straights in this track, I think Alpine are going to have that little bit extra in terms of straight speed. And I think that should put them ahead. Like if we look at how difficult uh, Spa was, I know these are very different tracks. I'm aware of that. But I just mean, you know, anything they gain through the S's and so on will probably be lost down the straights coming up to 130R. And that Alpine has been quite good if it doesn't blow up. That's the big thing. And before I jump back in and see what uh, is going on in the chat uh, and look at some questions, I will say there is some hope for Danny Rick fans, as I mentioned. And the reason I'm saying that is because the new upgrade that McLaren brought, uh, I was watching an interview with, uh, I think it was James Key, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he was saying what they're trying to achieve with this new upgrade, which is they're trying to get a better balance uh, in the car for next year and start basically testing upgrades on this year's car that are going to carry over to next year. And one of the things that they pointed out is they don't particularly expect this new upgrade to be much faster. They reckon it's going to be similar in pace, maybe a little bit faster, but similar in pace. But they think that it's going to deliver uh, the deliver that performance in a, in a very different way. And now a lot of that we can't see. It'll be to do with the Venturi tunnels and the underfloor and so on. Uh, obviously, the most striking part was the side pods going more down the Red Bull route. Um, but if it delivers that performance in a very different way, then perhaps that could get rid of some of the characteristics that just fundamentally don't work with Danny Rick's style of driving. And it would be nice if it did work and Danny Rick ended up quite close to Lando or beating him on occasion for the next five races, because I think that would really spur up his uh you know, his his move to another team for 2023, which at the moment, if I'm honest, looks like he's not going anywhere. It looks like he's going to take a sabbatical or a reserve drive. So I'll talk about the driver market a little bit later in this podcast. But um, yeah, it would be nice to, you know, to see him be able to do something. And if it's true that this is changing philosophy almost completely, then those characteristics, hopefully, I mean, there's a 50-50 chance they could go in his direction. Let me have a quick look at the chat and see if there's any more news or questions even. Uh, Daniel McKellen, uh, not a question, but I 100% agree. As you may know, I'm a Checo fan and I would love for him to win all of the next races, even if he did, uh, unless Max DNF from all of them. And even then, I think he would still, uh, it's very, yeah, no. I would love Checo to win every single race. And if Max DNF from all of them, then he, I think he could win the championship. I'm not sure. It's very close. It's a weird one. It's that's how far ahead he is. But yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, so there's a, a question. Well, yeah. So swirling soul again, um, shouldn't he have been able to adapt to this car given they are technically, if you look at F1 as the pinnacle of motorsport, as all of us fans do, and realistically it is, let's be honest. Yes, he should have been able to adapt to the car. And that is going to be something that I think, even if Danny Rick, uh, you know, his pure performance is there, I guess the problem other teams are going to be looking at is, well, two things. One is age, because you're going to start asking, well, how long is he going to be here? But then, you know, Alonso's still around. Um, and the second one is, like you said, adaptability. And that's going to be the big question for the likes of Alpine and so on. Alpine, 
maybe not so much actually because they know you know the characteristics of their car probably carried over quite a bit so they know he's going to be quite quick in that if the, the old danny is in there which we all think he is as far as i i think so anyway um but yeah adaptability is definitely going to be a question but it kind of goes back to what i was saying in a video earlier this week about the driver market which is why not just give him the chance put him on a one-year contract in the alpine i mean surely that's got to be a better move than paying off uh alva Tauri to get ghastly when you could just wait another year and get ghastly anyway because you know i don't think there's going to be some massive shake-up next year that's going to lose you ghastly and i mean they've already lost fernando alonso and oscar piastri so why not take Danny Rick back? They can get him on a budget deal for a one-year contract. And if it works out, continue. If it doesn't, take Gasly then and not have to pay Alpha Terry. It seems like a win-win. I don't know why that's not happening, given that Danny has said he'd go back to uh, Alpine. That's a strange one. Um, Okay, so I've covered uh, McLaren and Alpine to some extent. Driver market, actually, while we're on that, let's jump into, I was expecting, and I'm still expecting to hear some news this weekend over either Gasly or DeVries or both. Now, it is quite weird that unless you're listening to this on Spotify and it's already happened, uh, or unless during this recording it happens, uh, which would be a nightmare, it's quite weird that I haven't heard it be announced because I was fairly certain from everyone I've talked to that we would see uh, an announcement for DeVries going to AlphaTauri and Gasly going to Alpine at this weekend's race. Perhaps it's not on. Um, perhaps it was, you know, talked about and dropped. A lot of these things happen. You know, Oscar Piastri was confirmed at, at Alpine and then he wasn't. So I was expecting that to come up and we may well still see it this weekend. But in my experience and, and historically speaking, if you don't hear about it the day before the press events, then it tends to not happen. So maybe they're going to announce it on Monday. Uh, maybe it's Red Bull are going to drop all of this uh, at the same time as the cost cap if they have, in fact, gone over. Uh, and that's what they're going to do. Um, but before I jump into a quick word on the cost cap, which I'm not going to talk too much about because I already have, uh, I was going to say in a video up there, but it's not up there. It's on our channel. I've done two videos so far. Um, and obviously there'll be some coverage on Monday. But um, yeah, I, I just... The last thing I'll say on these driver moves is what it's looking like at the moment, the landscape, is if DeVries does go to AlphaTauri, then basically it's DeVries to AlphaTauri, Gasly to Alpine, Mick potentially getting replaced by Giovinazzi, and then Mick potentially going to Williams or leaving completely and Logan Sargent comes into Williams. All of those, if I'm perfectly honest, apart from perhaps, perhaps Gasly at Alpine, is it just me or, like I said in the video the other day, very meh. I just, I, there's no excitement there. Like a Danny Rick going to Alpine would be exciting because it'd be like, okay, what Danny Rick do we get to see next year? Whereas Alpine just taking Gasly, like, it's not like Gasly's going to be fighting for wins next year, in my opinion. I think they're still going to be the fourth fastest car for a couple of years or even the fifth. You know, McLaren could jump up, especially with that driver lineup. That's truly exciting. <sighs> And the biggest meh for me, to be honest, is De Vries to AlphaTauri because is De Vries going to go to Red Bull? Like, maybe. Um, but then what are you doing with Sonoda? It's all very meh. It feels to me like it's like, you know, they know they're going to lose Gasly, so let's just get someone decent in while we figure out what we're doing. 
and in the meantime let's just piss off Toto Wolf by stealing his driver like you know and then Mick getting replaced by Giovinazzi is very meh and if Joe, if Mick then leaves the paddock for Logan Sargent or Hulkenberg or something like that, yeah, it's all very meh. Um, I'll touch on the cost cap really quickly. Uh, obviously, if you haven't been watching any of the updates this week, I have a, a video got released earlier this morning, I believe, on um, why I think the timing of this cost cap makes me suspicious that there is actually something there, even though up until Wednesday, I would have told you, I don't think there's anything. I think it's just all rumors and you know, people are bored that there's no title fight, but I, I, it's strange. However, I don't think it's going to be anything big, but that would be funny if at the exact time, 9 a.m. British time, I think it is on Monday, the cost cap drops and Alpha Terry immediately dropped the Nick DeVries ghastly news. That would be hilarious. Um, so yeah, if that happens, make sure you subscribe because you heard it here first. Um, Let me just go back into the chat because Swirling Soul, I believe you've pointed something. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I was never that pumped on Gasly anyway. I think he's a great midfield driver, but I just, I, I know like a lot of people rate him as, as hugely talented, but I think he's a great steady midfield hand driver, but I don't think he's anyone that we're ever going to be like, oh, he's in a title fight. I just, unless he gets a really dominant car, I just think that's where he's going to be. Nick DeVries, again, like, it'll be a nice change-up, I suppose. Um, and it'll be nice to see the fireworks between Ocon and Gasly, but I think that's really it, you know? I don't think there's anything more to it than that. Yeah, like, so that's, that's what I was saying about the cost cap is timing-wise. So in the video I did earlier today, I was talking about how it looks to me like timing-wise is there is something there and I think the problem is, even if, let's say, for example, it turns out that Red Bull went over by $20,000, which is absolutely insignificant. We know that the paddock, the media pen, uh, and F1 Twitter, more than anyone else, will go absolutely mental, and it will overshadow the entire weekend, including if Max takes a championship, and also everyone's going to be hot mic all weekend, the FIA is going to be under so much pressure to make sure the wording and the talk about this is absolutely pin perfect. So it's much easier for them to do that on Monday. And I think that for me is the most likely situation where it's really nothing, but it is an overage. So it still is a break in the compliance. But even if it's nothing, like if it's 200 quid, we know that F1 Twitter will go absolutely mental. So yeah, that for me is what it is. It's a timing situation. So that's what I suspect. So I'm going to um, jump off of the podcast in a minute. But before I go, I want to give my predictions for the top three in the podium. Um, but before I do that, please hit subscribe if you haven't already, because it really does help. And I'd love to get towards uh, the 10,000 mark by the end of the year, but that's just a dream. So if you don't subscribe, don't subscribe. My predictions, and uh, make sure to pop them in the comments below, not in chat, because uh, the chat will disappear. I think I have the replay on, but if you want everyone to see your your um, your predictions, pop them in the comments. My predictions will be that Verstappen will win this weekend. I think that Red Bull is going to be, you know, someone is going to have to take a beating after messing up the fuel last week. And I think Red Bull is going to be absolutely perfect this weekend. And it's very rare that Verstappen makes mistakes. 
I think for the championship, it would be great if it got carried over to the next race, but I think Verstappen will take it this weekend. And I think it's going to be kind of a, a boring one, if I'm honest, my predictions. So I'm going to mess up my predictions to make it less boring because I, I want this to go this way. So let's say Verstappen wins, but let's say we get Hamilton in second and it's very close with, um, let's say Alonso third. Why not? That would be amazing. Uh, Verstappen, Alonso, and uh, and Hamilton. If I, if I'm honest, what I would really love to see this weekend is Sebastian Vettel first, Alonso second, Hamilton third, because that would be an absolutely monumentally mad race. So yeah, that's what I'm going with: Verstappen, Hamilton, Alonso. Let's hope for a big race. And uh, Prime Goose, uh, if uh, you haven't put it in chat, do let me know in the comments what your bet is on the Haas um, ordeal, and I'll come up with some sort of bet. Uh, I would love to do a shoey, but I'd have to do it. Well, actually, I'll do a shoey, but I'll do it on the first podcast in November after I finish Sober October. Thank you, everyone, so much for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, thank you to all of you joining us live. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, do check out our YouTube channel where we have constant content. Um, and there will be a new system of content next week um, where we'll be doing two kind of more scripted videos, the ones I enjoy editing and so on, and then news updates along with like a Friday recap style and some live stuff along with the podcast. So there'll be lots of content. Thanks everybody. Uh, appreciate it. And I'm going to end the stream there.